0: Log Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you Make things better. Hello there. Welcome to the program. I'm delighted that you are uh, listening in today, either live or to the recorded versions of the program. Um, We have a plan for today. Uh, The mom who called in uh, from last week to tell us about her son who was having difficulty being engaged in Plan B is... um, calling back in again today because last week we talked about um, the various possibilities for why um, it was hard for her son to engage in Plan B. And um, because I've heard from her since, I know that she tried some things and um, has some things to report to us about how that went. It's actually kind of exciting. Um, But let me do my uh, beginning of the program thing and then we will... um, get this show on the road, Um, and we already have two callers, the mom being one of them. Uh, I want to let the caller from Area Code 303 know that we will um, be putting you on the air as soon as we are done with um, our mom, who we had on last week, so be patient. You can listen to the program through your telephone connection, although I I guess it's costing money to do it that way, but uh, hang in there if you can, Um, because um, on this program, callers take the top priority. Um, so I always have stuff prepared based on emails that I've received uh, from prior week, and in this case from over the summer still. We're still digging through the summer emails, but um, callers always come first. So these are your 45 minutes. Um, if you've got a challenging kid and aren't sure what to make of him and um, feel kind of desperate about things or extremely frustrated or Um, the kid isn't responding very well to Plan B, or you're thinking you're having trouble doing various aspects of Plan B or trouble getting the folks at school to use collaborative problem solving or trouble getting your co-parent or the grandparents or coaches to buy in, well, that's what this program is for every week. Um, Call in if you feel like it. Comment. You can do that either by calling in or by sending me an email. Uh Get your questions asked. Get the support you need. Or... Just listen to what's going on with other people who are uh, living with, taking care of, challenging kids, and trying to implement the collaborative problem-solving approach. Let me give you the call-in number again. It's 347-994-2981. This is just kind of your chance to kick back, take some time to yourself. I know that this may not be the topic that makes people relaxed, but it sure is nice to have a place to talk about it and You know, by this time of day, whether you're on the West Coast or the East Coast or somewhere in the middle, um, hopefully, uh, the kids are at school, perhaps the challenging one in particular, and you can um, relax a little bit and uh, think and hear about what others are thinking. Um, Once again, if you're a little hesitant to call in, uh, you can always send a question electronically through the contact form on the Live in the Balance website, and you know where that website is. It's www.livesinthebalance, lives with a V, livesinthebalance.org. So um, we are ready for our update. Um, I've gotten a little bit of advance notice, but maybe some things have happened since then um, from our mom in Area Code 201 who tried a few things that we talked about last week, and uh, we are dying to hear how it went. Mom, you're on the air.
1: Hi, Dr. Green. How are you?
0: How are you today?
1: I'm okay. Uh, Thankful to be talking to you. I'm glad you called back in. Yes. So as far as the update, um, is it best if, like, I I know I sent you an email in
2: great detail
1: as to how that first um, talk went. No no one has seen
0: it. Yeah, because okay. let, uh, I haven't read it. I mean, I've read it myself, but I haven't read it on the air, and so nobody who um, was listening in last week or is listening this week for the first time, let me let me sort of introduce the topic. You have a son who you've been trying to do proactive Plan B with, and he has uh, not been so receptive. And so last week we talked about potential reasons that a kid, yours in particular, might not be especially receptive To participating in Plan B. One was that um, he thought he was in trouble, he thought you were being critical, he thought, um, you know, he didn't know what Plan B was. Uh, Another, um, you were surprising him, and so we thought making an appointment might uh, help. And a third was that maybe he was lacking some of the communication skills that... you know, Plan B sort of demands. Uh, you know, it's, it's possible to do Plan B with kids who are lacking communication skills, but not in the way we usually do it. So that's sort of the intro. Um, but no, I haven't shared your email with anybody. So why don't you give us an update on where things went from there?
1: Okay. So basically, I did definitely take your suggestion about the appointment, and I think that was very effective. Um, I added to that because you had mentioned something about doing things in writing, so I did make it a written um, invitation for the appointment because I found in the past sometimes when I even start to talk to him, he'll give me five seconds and won't even hear what I have to say. So I thought if I I had given him the invitation in writing, it would give him a little bit of a chance to know what we were going to talk about, and I I reassured him in that invitation that, you know, I just want to understand and everything is good, and uh, of course I added a little bonus that we would um, stop and get a treat. And, and have our chat and I, I knew that would be very helpful because he really likes to um to have treats. So um but I, I did add in there. I was I wasn't sure about the treat thing, so I, I thought it was important to add so he knew I was not trying to bribe him in any way that he was open to have that treat, um, even if he wasn't willing to talk, because that's not what it was about, and i you know, get him the treat anyway, and if he could just let me know when a good time to talk would be, that would be fine. But he did decide to take me up on my offer, and we did get our treat, and we did chat. And what I learned from him is that um, – Talking is but Before boring. you go
0: on, I mean, people okay. are chomping at the bit here, but I just want to just point out a few things. I mean, there are some parents who would just find the idea of inviting their kid to talk to be just completely unfathomable. Not in collaborative problem solving, um, what's the downside to inviting a kid to talk with you, especially one who isn't talking? Um, and what's the downside to going out for a donut so as to formalize the fact that you'd like to hear what's going on, and you used one of the key words here. Your 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 only goal in the empathy step, anyways, is to understand. And the, the nice part is, generally speaking, even kids who haven't been talking are very receptive to the idea that somebody's trying to understand. Uh, especially since trying to understand is so uh, different from uh, um, you're telling him what to do. He's in trouble. You're mad. Um, you know, understanding is a breath of fresh air for a lot of kids. So um, I think this is really cool, although some people would think, you've got to be kidding me. You're inviting the kid to talk with you. Keep going. We're, uh, people are dying to hear okay. what happened next.
1: Sure. So basically, um, the, you know, the first few things he said to me um, were that talking is boring and it's not fun. Um, there were some pauses in between. It wasn't like he was just like, okay, it's boring. It's not, you know, it was, it was slow. And he said, it's boring. And I waited a bit to see if he would add anything more. And he actually said to me, you know, you need to say something too. And I said, okay, you know, well, can huh. you tell me what's, what's making it boring? And he said, it's not fun. And I, you know, I tried to get more information about it not being fun. And then he said it was hard. And again, lots ah. of pauses in between.
2: Very um, interesting.
1: And then when I asked, well, can you tell me what's, making it hard what's hard about it and this is where I, 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 I think I learned my, the most and, and basically he said um, I don't know what to say and I, I didn't, wasn't quite sure how to respond to that so I, I think I said to him you know can you tell me a little bit more about not knowing what to say good um, for you it, it, it took him a really long time and um, you know finally he said after about a minute or two like right now I just don't know what to say So then I, you know, I kind of confirmed, well, I could, you know, that makes a lot of sense. It must be really hard to talk when you don't know what to say. So I could see why it's, you know, it's hard for you to talk. Um, You know, and then I, again, tried to leave some silence and see if he would add anything. You know, I asked if there's anything more about it being boring, and and he said no. So then I asked him if I could do some, um, just ask him a few questions about it. And he was okay with that. So I asked some of the questions that we had kind of talked about, like if he thought, Maybe I was mad at him, and that made it hard. And he gave me a very quick, you know, no, nope, not, that's not what it is. And then I asked if he thought I was going to try to make him do something he didn't want to do, and, and he was pretty clear on saying, you know, no, I you know, I don't. That's not what it's about. Um, I, I asked him questions about the topic, if that made a difference. At first, he told me it didn't. But then I, when I drilled a little bit and provided him with some examples, he did share that if he is talking about something um, like one of his loves, such as dirt bikes, it is easier for him to um, to talk mm-hmm. about it. I'm um, just trying to think if there are any other key points. Um, I must I say. If, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just asked if, like, making the appointment was helpful and the invitation, he said no. I'm not quite sure if that. I really feel that made a big difference for him. But at that point, he did say no. So I, I respected that, of course. Um, and I did, we did have one other talk, which I would say was not quite as productive as the first talk, but I used that same method. I used the, um, the appointment and the invitation. And, and, again, we did kind of show up and at least get together. So I was um, feeling positive about that. I'm
0: feeling positive day. about it myself.
2: Good. <laughs>
1: I mean
0: that's outstanding. I mean, it, it, it's it, 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 the response that's most puzzling is him saying that making the appointment didn't make much difference to him. And you know what? Maybe there was some other ingredient coming into play that is hard for us to pinpoint right now. But given what you told us last night about how Plan B, your attempts at Plan B with him usually go
2: uh uh-huh.
0: this was This was a very informative empathy step that you did with him, so something better happened as a result of you making an appointment with him and perhaps asking him uh, perhaps focusing on the topic that you were focusing on, which was different, which was why are we having so much trouble talking in the first place and that 's often what i 'm recommending that people start with with a kid who's not particularly receptive to participating in Plan B, and that is to find out what is about Plan B that's hard or what is it about Plan B that they don't like. And those are usually pretty productive conversations, and it sounds like yours was, which is great.
1: Okay. So do you want to hear Then I I tried a second conversation based on you had advised trying? So I, I, again, did the whole appointment thing. Now, I I left out the um, Dunkin' Donuts piece this time only because – We do have our talks late at night. He did also inform me that 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 worked for him. You know, the the nighttime talks um, make it a lot better time of day. Um, And it was kind of late, so I just invited him to have um, tea with me instead, which is something he really usually likes to do. Uh, So, again, we showed up. But this time, uh, he just, he was much more um, antsy, like really having trouble just staying in one place, and he was from the couch to the floor and, and a little distracted by the dog and was changing topics, but it, it appeared he, he wanted to try to talk, and he was willing, but some internal stuff may have been getting in his way. But we, we plowed along, and, um, you know, I just basically started, he said, well, we already talked about talking, and I said, I know, I just want to make sure we understand everything and see if there's anything new to, to add to it. So I summarized for him what he had said to me, you know, I know it's boring and it's really hard when you don't know what to say and you know, I, I checked in on the things that he said were not affecting him about being mad at me and, and so on and he confirmed all of that and I asked if there was anything else he thought had thought about in the meantime that was making it hard and you know, he went back to the boring piece and I did I said to him and I don't I'm not quite sure what to think of this, like, you know, I said it seems like it's a lot harder tonight to, to talk with me like you know you're, you're moving around a lot and it's harder and I'm wondering what's happening for you and he said it's boring it's the boring thing and last time you know we had something to eat and that helped me because I had something like like good to have and to do and now I really don't have anything um so I like having the you know the donut piece there and that was making it boring not having that and harder again I'm not sure how accurate that was But, so I didn't get anything really new out of him, and I'm not sure if I should have done this or not, but I was at a little bit of a loss, so I at least tried to practice um, and presented my concern, you know, I asked if he'd be willing to hear what I think about talking and and why I, you know, I think it's a good idea if we're able to talk, and he said yes. So basically, I just kind of said to him, let me see, because I tried to take notes, um, I think it's important that we be able to talk so we can solve problems in a way that, you know, we're working together and it's not about, you know, just mommy's way and, and mommy telling you what to do, and it's nor is it about you getting upset and you doing it your way. Um, but I basically said if we talk, you know, we can come up with solutions that we both feel good about um, and that work for both of us and we can both feel happy. And then he was okay and he, Sort of summarize it, do you understand? He sort of summarized, but then at that point I think he was he was done. So we ended the conversation. And that's where we are now. You're a pro. <laughs> I don't feel like I a just, pro.
0: Well, right, because you have a kid who isn't exactly singing in the empathy step yet. <laughs> okay. Um, but but I'm increasingly confident that you're gonna get him there. Um he, I actually think that your second conversation was productive. Okay. You got information about um, what's comfortable for him in terms of talking. He prefers a donut. Okay. So that's info. I know that you're skeptical about that, but um, maybe. Um, and you were able to get your concern on the table, and he was able to hear it and apparently appreciate it, Yes.
1: I think so. He didn't, you know, argue or resist it at least, so mm-hmm. he, he definitely heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could appreciate it because I think he might okay. be and able I, to stop a uh, problem. At,
0: yeah, at, at the very least, it's not a bad thing for him to hear that you're interested in. It sort of gives him the lay of the land in terms of what you're, I hate to call it, up to here, but what you're trying to accomplish here, and that is you're trying to, uh, by the way, we have an email from one of our listeners Uh, (laughs) saying, don't you make appointments to talk with people in the real world? And, of course, the answer is yes. So let's not feel bad about making (laughs) an appointment to talk with your son, especially, quite frankly, if that makes it more conducive that he's going to be able to participate uh, in Plan B. No worries. So, um, you know, maybe you try the donut next time. I guess the big question that still hovers is whether the spoken word and I wouldn't give up on it yet, but whether the spoken word is gonna be the primary way in which you and your son uh, communicate over unsolved problems and try to solve them. The spoken word is preferable because it it feels more convenient. It's, you know, um, being able to engage in linguistic give and take feels more convenient. Of course, it's not very convenient if the kid's not able to engage in linguistic give and take. And if I was to make anything of the fact that um, talking about dirt bikes is easier for him than talking about unsolved problems, um, dirt bikes are certainly more familiar, um, probably something he spends a great deal of time thinking about, uh, something he talks about frequently, probably with his friends, I suppose. And so it's a little bit more automatic for him to be talking about dirt bikes than it is for him to be talking about an unsolved problem that you're raising with him, something he may actually not be doing a great deal of thinking about. So that may be why he feels he's more able to engage in discourse and actually think about and tell you what he's thinking on dirt bikes than he would be on um, unsolved problems. But I guess the next one's going to be really important. What, what's your plan for the next step? You've, you, you've gathered... Oops, guess what I forgot to do. You've <laughs> gathered a fair amount of information here about um, what's getting in his way, some information about what it is that he needs to um, – now it's off. What he needs what, – what would it make it easier for him to participate in, it, in Plan B with you. You've given him the lay of the land in terms of what it is that you're trying to accomplish – What's your next plan? Because it feels like you could go in a few different directions here. What what are you thinking of doing next?
1: I, hmm. Well, I was definitely thinking of making sure he, like, reviewing my concern again. And I didn't know if I should add a little bit to it. Um, Like, I thought maybe I I should have just said to him, like, if we talk and I listen to all of his concerns and understand them, and then you know he's able to hear my concerns, then we can solve the problem, um, meaning come up with a solution that's gonna feel really good for both of us. Like I thought maybe I should add that to my concern, but I know I can't I can't bombard him with a lot of like um verbal stuff at once because he does shut down a lot of times, like I think it's just too much, so I try to like try to keep my words shorter and my sentences shorter. Uh, but again, just kind of reviewing my concern, and then I guess putting, you know, uh, putting his concern on the table, and trying to see if we could um, create some solutions.
0: I think that that sounds like a very good plan, um, but it, it actually sounds like there are some many problems within that macro problem, like one unsolved problem. That there's several, and this sometimes happens when you're talking about unsolved problems, you find out that there's a few different unsolved problems embedded within the same one. So as you're now saying, it sounds like he could get overwhelmed with words. We might need a solution for what to do with that. Okay. It sounds like he might need time to think on topics that he hasn't thought about much and that we, we need to think about. Does he need time to think right then? Um, Does he need time to think uh, during the conversation such that maybe you should come back to it another time? Um, Does he need time to think, for example, advance notice of what the conversation is going to be about, perhaps even in writing, so that he could give it some thought before you guys actually sit down to talk? Um, Mm -hmm. So I would call those some mini problems within the macro problem of talking. Um, Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and, but it's always interesting because we're trying to figure out, uh, here, here's the good news. You have talked me out of, he just doesn't want to talk to you. And by the way, I've never been talked into, he just doesn't want to talk to somebody.
1: <laughs> okay. So,
0: that, that, but you have just given us the raw material, the data, if you will, telling us that yet again, it's not that a kid is choosing not to talk. It's that something is getting in the way of them talking. And that's a very crucial awareness for lots of folks to come to. And you've also given us pretty much straight from the horse's mouth um, what it is that's making it hard for him. Uh, it sounds like focusing is hard for him. Thinking about things he doesn't usually think about is hard for him. Whether that overlaps with he doesn't have the words or whether that's the same thing as he doesn't have the words because he hasn't thought about har- thought about it, hard for him. Um, so there's a lot of things about talking that are hard for him Luckily, it's not that he is completely devoid of communication skills because he can talk about dirt bikes. So that tells me that there's something about talking about the things you wanted to talk with him about that we need to get a better handle on and come up with solutions to so that talking is possible. There are some kids that I've worked with, and I talked about this in Lost at School. That might be, by the way, where you got the idea of the written invitation. If you've read Lost at School... Uh, Mrs. Franco, in at School, um, issued a written invitation to a kid who um, was expressing no interest whatsoever in speaking with her, and um, it was the way to get the communication ball rolling. I'm wondering, and I'm just brainstorming here because I have no idea this is what you and your son will figure out in Plan B. I'm wondering if written communication might be an option for at least part of the way in which you and your son exchange information with each other. And let's face it. The first two steps of plan B, the empathy step and the invitation step, uh, excuse me, the define the problem step, are almost purely exchange of information activities. In the empathy step, you're trying to gather information from your son about his concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem. In this case, it's um, he's having trouble participating in plan B. Then, in the define the problem step, you are transmitting information to him. Here's why you'd like him to communicate with you about those things you'd like to understand and we'd like to stop bugging him and you'd like to get along better and you'd like to get these problems solved so that all of those things are possible and then based on all of the information that has been exchanged in those first two ingredients of plan B you're brainstorming solutions it feels to me like um, maybe there's a good reason to go back to the empathy step just to make sure that you've got all the information you need basically okay. saying, Here's what I know so far. Is there anything else? Okay. There's you thinking about whether you've expressed your concerns as well as you would like and in ways that he understands. That's the primary goal of the define the problem step. And then you're ready to start brainstorming solutions. The big question for me is, how long he's going to be able to hang in there for this conversation. Lots of people go into Plan B thinking, all right, I've got five minutes. I'm doing three steps in five minutes. That's a minute and a half for the empathy step, a minute and a half for Define the Problem step, a minute and a half for the invitation, and maybe a half, 30 seconds left for anything else, right? But the reality is what we're doing here is we're saying, let's take our time on the empathy step. Let's really make sure we've got our ducks in a row here in terms of the information we need from him so as to understand why participating in Plan B is so hard for him. And then let's take our time making sure that you are clear about what you want to say to him. Then we'll move on to the invitation. So in the next conversation, you may find yourself trying to solve this problem, but you may also find yourself fleshing out more information, what I call drilling for information, and your judgment call, of course, whether you're ready to go into the invitation on this unsolved problem yet. I think that the overarching topic is, and there's many, many topics, but the overarching topic is, what, makes, what would make it easier for him to participate in solving problems with you? Um, timing, donut, written versus spoken, all of those things are things that will come into play. Okay. I can't wait to hear what happens next.
1: <laughs> me either. <laughs> um, let me just all right, I think I have my thoughts together and, and where I'm going to go. Now, the, the fact like that he says, I don't know what to say, it just, I don't know, that's not sitting right for me, or I feel like that's um, hard to solve. Like, I, I wish I knew ways to help him with that. And well, my attitude comes is you don't it. know
0: enough about it yet to help him with it. Okay, okay. This is, this is often where life gets interesting. I find that when we, don't, when we adults don't know what to do, It's because we may be trying too hard to come up with ingenious solutions when, in fact, what I'm encouraging people to do when that happens is, um, first of all, you're not on the hook for coming up with ingenious solutions. But secondly, if you are having trouble coming up with ingenious solutions, of course, which we don't want you doing in the first place, it's probably because we don't have enough information yet anyhow, in which case I would drill more. I I actually don't know what it means by that he's not sure what to say. Is he not sure what you want him to say? Like, is that what he means? Is he not sure what to say because he's never really given it any thought, and so there's no thought behind what he would say? Is he, does he know what he would want to say, but is, does not know what words he wants to use to say them? Three completely different possibilities for, why, for what he means by, I don't know what to say.
2: Okay
1: so I could ask him those questions and see if anything rings a bell for him. And
0: and what we're going to be watching very closely here is to what degree, when does he start to get overwhelmed in Plan B? When is it too much language for him? When is it too much thinking for him? And he might need a signal for letting us know when that is. Okay. So isn't this this interesting how um, interesting this can get? um, (laughs) Okay. And you know what? I don't think we're through with it being interesting yet, but, uh, and that's why I'm going to invite you. Next week's program is at 12 noon again. Okay. Um, if, feel free to email me and let me know what happens again. I'm happy to okay. get those. And feel free to, um, and of course we'll exchange emails, and I'm betting this is, this is actually an interesting uh, situation that you're in here, so I'm betting people are going to want to hear more about it again.
1: I'm happy to share if if. Um, if you don't do feel any pressure and you're
0: happy to share and let us know what's going on, we would love to keep abreast of how things go with you and your son.
1: That sounds great. Can I we'll ask you a very very quick question that will just help you sure. get through the week with a, uh, a concern I'm having? Um, so as you know, we're you know the Plan B. We're just getting trying to get it going. So almost everything is in Plan C, and there are a few things that I have in Plan C that. Um, I know I do not have the my, the right lenses on, and I just need a little bit of help keeping the right lenses on because I, I'm not thinking the right things. Um, okay. And just some of those key things are basically, um, you know, he's doing a lot of stating and, and really wanting to um, to carry out, like, wanting to get in trouble in school, wanting to do things like – bring a drink he's not allowed to bring or, or have his phone in class or, um, you know, I got a note the other day that he was kicking his binder down the hallway trying to be funny. He wants to ride his bike and not wear his helmet to see if he's going to get in trouble by the principal. Um, he, you know, often he has said that he wants
0: to see if he's going to get in trouble by the principal.
1: Yes, yeah, because another kid, she wouldn't let uh, ride his bike home because he didn't have his helmet. So he didn't, you know, he didn't like that that she wouldn't let him ride the bike home. So he wants to do it, um, or like just, you know, not even being willing to open the backpack to, to look at the homework and saying, no, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Not, not tonight. I don't need to do this tonight. Like. I, I don't have the lens, my right lenses on when I think about those things.
0: What um, lenses do you have on? How are you, how are you thinking about this? I
1: kind of have, right? I'm thinking like he's manipulating, you know. He's wanting to, um, I know I'm wrong, um, but I just, uh, he's wanting to kind of get in trouble and, and test and, you know, just kind of do what he
2: wants to do.
0: Well, and here's the basic line of thought. Okay. Kids do well if they can. Mm-hmm. That's, the, of course, the yes. overarching philosophy of the collaborative problem-solving approach. Um, if he could do well, he would do well. Doing well is preferable to not doing well. So I'm listening to what you're telling me and thinking, I don't know, um, why is your son going about life in this way rather than in a way that um, – is a more traditional definition of doing well. And what I always come to is skills. Mm -hmm. What lagging skills have set the stage for your son to, and and, and by the way, also, what experiences in the world have set the stage for your son to go about life in a way that I'm going to use the word, uh, in in a way that is a bit irreverent. And in okay. a way that seems to be saying to us, um, uh, authority is uh, not exactly my cup of tea. So that's what I'm asking myself: is um, because many other kids are going about life in ways that aren't irreverent, and in ways that are at least um, pretending that they are respectful of authority. True. Um, as as a as a somewhat irreverent person myself, quite frankly, there wouldn't be a collaborative problem-solving approach if I wasn't irreverent, because I had to question. Well, as, you, as the bumper sticker says, I had to question authority, which means conventional wisdom. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'd still be doing things the way everybody else is doing them. And, and you're, so, you know, irreverence is not the worst thing in the world. Whether your son's irreverence is suggestive of skills he's lacking and the fact that there are things that are being asked of him at school that he's having trouble doing, and his irreverence is a byproduct of that, and his apparent disdain for authority is a byproduct of the fact that he's lacking skills to do well in the conventional way, um, you know, that's what you're going to find out in Plan B. But um, truth is, the definition of manipulative, good manipulation is when you don't know you're being man- manipulated. So the Thank fact you. that you have the sense that you're being manipulated tells us that, that at the very least he's not a very good manipulator. But he's actually being kind of right out there. Manipulation tends to be kind of covert, right? Manipulation tends to be undercover. Uh, you don't, Good manipulation means you don't even know you're being manipulated. So I'm not sure that manipulation uh, actually even makes sense as a descriptor of what your son's up to because he's, he's actually not hiding much here. He's letting you know, no, no homework tonight. He's letting us know, uh, you know, I'm not riding my bike helmet. Um, that's that's kind of dumb. What factors led your son to take on this persona? And, of course, in my, in my belief system, are there ways in which he's been treated by authority figures that set the stage for him to be irreverent because he didn't feel like the authority figures had a whole lot of credibility? Are there lagging skills that have set the stage for your son to feel that doing well in the conventional way was not an option for him, so he's doing well, at least his definition of well, in a less reverent, less conventional way? That's what my mentality okay. would be. And okay. you'll find out when you start doing Plan B on those things. At the moment, you're a bit um, delayed, but I wouldn't call it that because I think you're gonna, it, the, the goal is to set the stage for him to be able to talk with you. Um, then. Once you get that down pat, you can start talking with him about these other things that you very much want to get to.
1: Okay. Okay. So the right thing to do is just leave them there in Plan C right
0: now. They're in Plan C right now, but we are chomping at the bit to engage him in Plan B and find out how to best do that so that he can engage with us in conversations and Plan B about these other topics as well.
1: Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Keep us posted. Great. I will. Okay, bye-bye.
0: Thanks for, thanks for participating in the program. And now, um, with only 10 minutes left, and that's okay, we may just have our next caller call in next time as well, but let's, let's at least get 10 minutes in from area code 303. Um, you're on the air. What's going
2: on? Hi, Dr. Green. Um, I was calling. I originally bought your first book, The Explosive Child, like about four years ago when my daughter was about two and a half and three. And... Um, Kind of realized that. Well, I, at the time, I was sort of in denial. I thought, no, she's just going through temper tantrums, whatever. So now, four years later, we're back. <laughs> um, I have a couple questions. The first question I have um, is that my daughter's delightful. I mean, she's she's in first grade. She has lots of activities. She has lots of friends. She does well in school. But at home, she explodes, and she explodes only with me. She doesn't. I, I'm a single mom, but she, so she doesn't explode with grandparents or aunt and uncle or anything else. It's only with me, and so I'm having a little bit of a hard time with the the lens of when she can do better, she does better, because the vast majority of her life, she's delightful. I mean, I would say over 90% of her life, maybe even more than 95%. But the explosions are only with me, and I just kind of had. What are your thoughts about that? Is that normal? Is that sort of typical?
0: It is kind of typical. Uh, I don't like to use the word normal, but um, <laughs> the, the prototypical uh, kid with, uh, who exhibits the kind of behaviors your daughter is exhibiting is that they are exploding at home and not at school. Next most common is they're exploding in both places. In my experience, least common is they're exploding at school and not at home. Um, but your scenario is actually fairly common. And often the question is asked in the following way, how come my kid can hold it together outside of my house but not inside of my house?
2: Which is, right, of course, exactly. a
0: great question. Um, and um, I, I can offer you a few potential reasons for that. Um, it doesn't sound like your daughter is taking medicine. Is that accurate?
2: That is accurate. We're kind of in that. I guess you described it as pre-diagnostic stage, so we're going to counseling, and, and we have yeah. a psychiatrist, but I've been avoiding the medication so far.
0: Got it. Well, the reason I ask is because some medications, especially stimulant medications, which are largely daytime drugs, um, work great for the kid during the day, but then there's are sort of an unmedicated kid at home, and that can sometimes explain it. But the more t- truth is there's also the possibility that there are, demands being placed on her in one environment that are not being placed on her in another. That's because challenging behavior occurs when the demands being placed on a kid outstrip the kid's capacity to respond adaptively. So sometimes, like at school, school tends to be more structured school. If you're not sure what to do, you can always look around and see what you should be doing. So there are advantages schools have over homes. Some kids are able to keep themselves very tightly wrapped when they're outside of the home. And as I think I said in last week's program, or I said at some point over the last week, may not have been the program, um, all of us behave better outside the home than in it. We're putting forth extra energy to look good outside the home. Uh, So Mm -hmm. all of those are potential reasons. But perhaps the leading explanation, and it sort of overlaps with the uh, first, is that uh, the one that I just said, is that um, uh, the embarrassment factor, and that is that um, no one wants to be embarrassed. And there are some challenging kids, not all, but some, who do put lots of energy into holding it together outside of the home, but at home, not so embarrassing, um, they can lose it. What, what, I guess my experience is that none of us, those of us, kids who are lacking skills, the embarrassment factor sometimes saves them from embarrassment outside the home. But they can't maintain that 24 hours a day or during all waking hours. And sometimes there's sort of a delayed fuse, in which case something that was upsetting at school, but the embarrassment factor kept the challenging episode from happening at school. Uh, There's a delayed response, and the kid loses it the minute they walk in the door. that, That, by the way, is why I don't call unsolved problems triggers anymore. Triggers makes it sound like the event that set the challenging episode in motion was was, was proximal to the challenging episode itself, and it often isn't. Sometimes it's a delayed response. So that's my best explanation. Now, which of those do you think rings true? The medicine obviously doesn't ring true with your daughter because she's not on medicine right now. What do you think? Um, What what do you think?
2: One of the things we're looking at with her is is anxiety, and does she have anxiety that's building up throughout the day and then by the time she's home with me sort of becoming unraveled. Um, so I guess that's probably it is the, like you said, the being able to hold it together in, in, and then <laughs> you've had enough holding it together so you fall apart. Well, no, um, so here's,
0: here's how I'd go about gathering information about that. Two yeah. ways. I would do plan B with her over um, any problems that she's having at school. Anything that's upsetting her at school? Has she ever given you any hint um, that she, uh,
2: there no. are things
0: going on at school that are troubling her? Nope.
2: Mm-mm, not I at all, all. And and I talked with her teacher, and her teachers, she's fine. She does what she's supposed to do. She's totally just a typical sort of kid at school. Um, and at home, I mean, she doesn't talk about school at all. I mean, I have a list of her, what you used to call triggers, but um, and I know what they are at home. I'm... I'm I've spent some time observing, so I've got those. I know what they are for home. Um, but, no, they don't involve school at all.
0: Well, and I w- you know what? I would still ask. I'd okay. ask her, not her teacher, okay. her,
2: right, if there's right. anything
0: troubling her. And then here's the other thing I would do if you haven't done it already, and I, I recommend this highly for anybody who's just getting started. I cannot, words cannot say how useful this activity is. If you haven't done this already, start keeping a list.
2: Yeah, I, I'm doing that. I've been, I've been taking notes for a couple months now. Every as day as I wrote down yeah.
0: Anything that caused her and you to disagree with each other, her to balk at something you were requesting that she did, did, did something that you wanted her to do, right. um, anything, not, not necessarily everything that causes an explosion because those are clearly the things that were disagreements or balking. I'm going to mm-hmm. operate safely on the assumption that her challenging episodes are not unprecipitated. There's always something that sets them in motion. They don't absolutely. come out of the blue. Yes. Yes. And so let's say that there's absolutely nothing going on outside of your home that is setting in motion her challenging episodes. Let's say it is true, there's absolutely nothing, <laughs> this is not a delayed response, school is fine, everything's fine, or friends are fine, everything's fine. Then what we're mm-hmm. basically left with is what are the specific unsolved problems that are causing disagreements between you and her at home. Mm-hmm. How are you going about trying to resolve those disagreements? Are you, are you using plan A or plan B or plan C? What, what's your preferred plan? And here's what I'd like to invite you to do since we're about to run out of time. Okay. Will you call in next week?
2: I can try. I'm not sure I'll be able to, but I have one more really quick question.
0: Go ahead. I'll try to answer that? it. <laughs>
2: um, so we're trying to do more plan B. And what I noticed is that I was able to diffuse several situations over the course of a week. So whereas she was exploding two or three times each week, I was able to sort of make that go. We went a whole week without that, but then when she did explode, it was the it was bigger and louder and worse than ever. Is that also common? Is that also something that can happen and well, I am I, I alone that can in can that? Happen.
0: No, I suppose that what? can happen. But I would also say that diffusing Defusing is not the same thing as solving the problem.
2: Absolutely,
0: Diffusing De- yes. yes. could be Plan C. Diffusing could be um, calming her down when she's upset. I suppose that could be Plan B or Plan C. But I'm mm-hmm. still dying to hear the very specific unsolved problems that she's getting upset about. Not now, because we're about we need to we need to right. stop for right. today. Right. Okay. But I'm dying to hear the very specific unsolved problems that you're able to identify that her challenging episodes, disagreements, Uh balking, not just full-blown explosions, but anything that could set in motion her worst. And um, if you want to email me through the Lives in the Balance website, I'd I'd love to know what those are. If you're able to call in next week, that would be great, too. Okay, I will try to
2: call in. I will try. Good. Okay, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for calling. Unfortunately, we are done for yet another day. I am So happy that you were able to listen in today, either live or in person. And I hope you'll listen in when we do this again next week. Um, This is a blast to hear from people who are actually using Plan B. In the meantime, good luck with Plan B during the week. Talk to you next week.